The following program may contain views, ideas, and opinions that have been produced by the hosts and their guests and are not reflective of Quixie 98.3 or Sky Tower Communications. For questions, comments, and concerns, email us at news at wqxe.com. Good morning, I'm Zach Epperson. This week on Community Forum, we present to you the full interview we have with Doug Frederick about Hurricane Katrina 15 years later. Frederick was a survivor of the hurricane living in Slidell, Louisiana in 2005. Here now is my full interview with Doug Frederick. We'll get right into it. So it's the 15th uh, uh, anniversary, if you will, of Hurricane Katrina, one of the deadliest, if not the deadliest, uh, hurricane to hit the United States. And you have a very central role in that. You experienced it. So we'll start off first with uh, your experience down in Louisiana. So uh, talk us a little bit about your backstory. Okay, first of all, it's, uh, it's hard to believe that it's 15 years um, that, it's, that it came through and stuff. Um, as far as my backstory... Um, I was stationed down in there uh, in Slidell, Louisiana. Uh, I lived there for about 14 years, um, and it was on 25, uh, 25 August of 2005. Um, I was sitting there watching the news. Of course, everybody was about Hurricane Katrina coming through. Um, at that time, uh, you know, I had a lot of decisions I had to make. I had my son that lived with me. He was 10 years old, and uh, I had my ex-wife that actually lived there also. They got divorced during that time. Um, and during that time, my decision was I had to decide whether or not I was going to keep my son there or if I was going to send him away uh, to a safer area. And my decision at that time was to go ahead and send him away, which was probably uh, the hardest decision I ever made. In the lead up to Hurricane Katrina, you, you're mentioning that you were sitting there watching the news. What do you remember about the coverage? What, were people worried about it you know, far in advance or was it one of those things that just kind of, uh oh, it's here and we need to prepare for it now? No, they, there was a lot of uh, worry, uh, especially in the New Orleans area, because I, I was like 23 miles east side of New Orleans, the Slidell. But there was a lot of uh, a lot of worry, you know, because when you watch the TV, you've seen this big, big massive thing, but, you know, not a lot of people thought that it was going to be as bad as what it was. You know, so I think more on the New Orleans aspect because they were right next to the water. You know, they were more worried than anything else and stuff. Living right there next to New Orleans, of course, everybody knows one of the biggest reasons uh, the city was devastated so much were the uh, the levees around there. Do you, was that a big concern uh, with the hurricane coming in? Were people thinking about that? I, I don't think so. I really don't. We uh, we lived uh, next to Lake Pontchartrain. You know, we knew we'd probably get some of the water and stuff. But I, I don't think they were really that worried because they knew that the levees were going to take care of the problem. They weren't. They weren't going to. Um, break as they did and they were going to make sure that the city was safe so you, that was pretty much that was the aspect of what was going on right and so you talked about um a few minutes ago about your your son making the decision what were you going to do send him away or or keep him there with you what other preparations uh, did you all make for the hurricane I, i'm assuming like you said you're 23 miles from new orleans which was devastated from it i would assume there's some preparations you made to your your house Right, and what we did is I have a I had a friend next door to me, and what what we did is we went around. Uh, I decided to stay because I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was, and either did he. And I sent my son away, but we went to his house. We uh, we got like three quarter inch plywood, and we uh, boarded up all his windows. Uh, he had the big pane windows in the front and back, so we boarded those up. And of course, we didn't put full sheets on my house. We just put like little slats across them and stuff. Um, and that was the, the preparation. We were just making sure that they had enough food items, generators were working, radios were there, and stuff like that that they needed at the time. 
You mentioned uh, before we got on here that you'd been down in New Orleans, <clears throat> or excuse me, the Louisiana for 14 years, I believe is what it was. Had you experienced any kind of you know hurricanes, tropical storms in your time down there in Louisiana? Um, I can't remember the names of them, but I was through two different ones, but they weren't as bad as this. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at hurricanes that were like two or three, but it wasn't that bad, you know, as far as that goes. We didn't have a lot of water or anything else. It was just uh, mainly a lot of wind during those times. Right, you said those were two or threes, and this one, right. it ended up being, it was a five, a Category 5, I believe, uh, right. at one point. So you you said that, you know, you made the decision that you were going to stay, you and your uh, neighbor, I, I, if I remember right, and because you didn't think it was going to be that bad. What was your first, uh, what was the first time, if you can remember, where you all kind of looked at each other and thought, uh-oh, this is going to be worse than we thought it was? Well, we at once we got done with his uh, house, we did that in like the 28th. And then on the, the night of the 28th, we went over to his friend's house in a place called Lacombe, which was about nine miles from Slidell. But it was more in a wooded area and stuff. We figured, well, if we went there, we'd be more in a safe zone. Well, during that time, um, it was on the, the morning of the 29th, um, the wind started getting really bad and stuff. Um, and we went outside and we figured we'd go ahead and check it out and stuff. Um, and when we did, um, we seen where there were uh, – uh, the wind was blowing all the trees around. Uh, there were leaves falling. And we actually had a tree that fell right next to us uh, while we were standing out there, which made us decide to go back inside. Uh, once we went back inside, uh, we lost all electricity, um, you know, and cell phone service. And I think that was one of the biggest problems I have with cell phone services. I promised my son that I would keep in contact with him every day. So I couldn't. Right, that losing that outside contact uh, with your right. son. Um, in regards to your son, where did you end up uh, sending him? To some family uh, or relatives or friends uh, elsewhere out of Louisiana, I, I assume? Right. My ex-wife uh, took him. She came and got him from the house, and she took him to uh, my daughter's house here in Elizabethtown. My daughter lived here on Main Street. So she brought him up here, and they stayed there while I stayed back, back down there to try to take care of things. My goodness. So you, you talked about those uh, the, the winds just knocking the trees around and the electricity going out. When did it really take a grip on your uh, your section of Louisiana down there around the New Orleans area? It was it was actually on a around it was like the middle part of the 29th on the Sunday. Um, because uh, at 8, 8 a.m. I've got it written here, but at 8, 8 a.m. during that morning, um, the wind started getting really bad. But at that night, um, you know, we had it to where the we had uh, trees that were falling by us, uh, and a bunch of us. Uh, there were four of us guys that actually stayed in the living room. And while we were sitting there, we were hearing the wind blow. And every time you heard the wind blow, you'd hear a snap of a tree. And you know, you think about getting up uh, from the couch or somewhere where you were sitting, but there was no reason to do that because you didn't know where that thing was going to fall or where it was going to land. And at that time, you know, we're sitting in the middle of this place, and I'm not a very religious person. But during that time, um, you got four men in the middle of the floor that were praying, you know, because at that time you're panicked because, you know, you don't know if you're going to lose your life or not because it was getting that bad. So would you say dur during those moments, just some of those harrowing moments, did you ever think to yourself that I I'm going to die, that th this is going to happen? Yes, I did. And and that's that's the thing, you know, um, like when I, when I uh, said that I, you know, I lost contact with my son, you know, at that, that time, you don't know if that's going to be the last time you see him. 
My goodness. And just the way you the way you talk about your son, it sounds like you all are, are very close. So how how emotional was that for you to not have that contact with him and, and have that contact with the outside world? It's it's really hard because, you know, every day um, I'd have my cell phone and I had I think it was like a half a cell or a half half life on my cell phone. So every every day you wouldn't keep it on. Every day you would turn it on get the bleep and you try to find out if you had cell service. If not, then you just turned it back off again because you had no way of charging it back up. You know, and that, that was the hardest part is, you know, he, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, does he even know whether I'm alive? Does he know what's going on? Because all they're knowing is what they're seeing on TV, you know, and we, we have none of that. So we don't know what's going on in the world as far as on the outside. When were you all finally able to venture outside when it was safe enough? I know the, at that point, you know, the winds might have died down, but the water was the next big issue because of flooding, right? Well, during during where we were at, we didn't get a lot of flooding. We had a lot of the trees and the, the power lines that fell and stuff. Okay. So it was, it was like that next morning. The 29th is when it actually started getting really bad. So it was next morning that we got up and uh, got out. When we went out there, you know, it's we looked around and I had a little geo tracker that hit. The only thing that happened to it was it had a little rip top, but the the guy's van that that was next to it, uh, it got smashed in, but it kind of protected my car. But when we went out there, we actually um, for about a quarter of a mile on the main road, uh, there were like 23 uh, trees fell. We had to actually have a, a neighbor bringing a chainsaw to actually cut a spot in the trees so we can get a car through it to get out to the main road. Um, when we came to this one park, one of the guys that was with us um, used to play on this one tree, and it was an oak tree that fell. And when it measured, it had it was measured from one side to the other was 34 feet in circumference on the root system, and that measured 19 and a half feet around, and it just fell over like it was nothing. My goodness. So if that gives you an idea of what the wind was really like and stuff. But, you know, we it, it looked like, you know, like when we were going down the road, it looked like there were two uh, tornadoes that just cut a path, you know, on the side of the road and stuff. Had you um, had you ever seen any damage like that before in your life? You know, hurricane, tornado, whatever it may be. Was this new to you, or was it just kind of like a oh my goodness, what 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 went on here? No, this was this was new. This was something I've never seen in my life. I mean, it was just it was very surreal as far as um, it, it put you in an awe state. Like oh my god, you know. But um, it it just brings back a reality that you don't take things for granted, you know, because we didn't have electricity, gas, food, water. People were selling generators down there that were maybe fifteen hundred dollars for four thousand dollars, but you had to put them on a card. But it was just—it was—I don't know—it was just—it was surreal. It really was. So, I mean, for, go ahead, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say there, there were times that we were in, in lines for gas, and you couldn't use a card because you didn't have any any electricity. But you'd be in that line for five and a half hours um, to get eight gallons of gas because that's all they'd give you. Then there were times you were in line for three and a half hours, and you get up there, and they're putting their hands to their throat, saying they're out. When we finally got to um, our friend's house back in Slidell, you know, we were going through the roads and stuff like that, and everything looked like it was cold, totally. Like, if you were, if you think of all these houses being on the sides of the road, and then you go down the road, and it's nothing but rubble, you know, and the, and the houses are gone. Right. That's, that's the way it looked. Um, my ex-mother-in-law, um, she was 72 years old. She had, she had a home there. And the water uh, at her place put her house underwater. Um, she had water lines in her house of eight feet. When we actually went to the house to go check on things, I had to actually push the, the door in with my foot, and you actually had to push the mud away from the door. And all the stuff that was in the bedroom was up in the living room. The stuff in the kitchen, like the refrigerator stuff, floated into the living room. And it's just, you know, 72 years of her life was completely gone. 
you know, she has nothing that she could have salvaged. When did you make that decision uh, to leave Slidell in Louisiana to come up here to Kentucky? About a week and a half after the storm hit. Um, you know, we still had no power. Um, there were uh, Red Cross everywhere. They were trying to give you meals. They had little tents set up to where they were giving you food and stuff. But it was about a week and a half. I, I, I had enough because I couldn't get a hold of my son and stuff. And I started going down the, the freeway. I had to go down towards uh, Lake Charles, you know, because I had to go down there and then cut up towards Alexandria because up by Mississippi, everything was closed off. Okay. And I, we figured that if I went that way, I'd have more of a chance of getting gas because there was no gas anywhere on this side. You know, so once I got probably about seven miles outside of uh, Slidell, going towards Lake Charles, I, I turned my phone on. And I, I just left it on. I, I kept driving, and about um, 10 minutes into the drive, my phone started working. And that's when I pulled over and I called my son. What was it like? That had been, what, the first time in, in days that you were able to talk to your son. What was that moment like? Yeah, it was like a week and a half. Uh, a lot of a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot, a lot of thanking God that, you know, we're still alive and everything's the way it is. You know, uh, it's just... It's one of those things you never, it's a very heartfelt moment. You know, it still, uh, it still brings tears to your eyes thinking about it. I can tell it has been such an emotional moment. So you, you finally get up here uh, to Kentucky. You, you see your son. When did you make the decision that this was going to be your, your new home? Well, we, we came up here. We stayed with my daughter uh, at her house uh, for about um, three weeks. Uh, and then we decided to go back down to Louisiana just to see what it was like. When we went back down there, you know, we had to, we went back down there. Nothing was, it was the same as when we left, when I left. And, um, you know, people get on me about taking Brandon, you know, my son and stuff with me because, you know, they say that's not something he should see. Well, that's realist. You know, that's a realistic situation. Right. That everything's not roses. You know, that's, that's part of life, you know, and he needed to see that part of life. And it was, you know, we had to go to the tent to have food and we had to, you know, get water from the neighbors and all that stuff. But, you know, that's just, that's part of what it is. And I wanted him to see it so we could decide together what we wanted to do. You know, so we decided that we were going to move. At that time, we decided we were going to move. Because my house, my house didn't get completely flooded. We didn't, like, our road was okay, but the next road behind us was completely underwater. We had, like, um, 15 to 18 inches of water on our bottom floor. And it was just, it was just time to go. You know, I, I, I had to think of what was better for him. And that's what I decided. That had to have been such a hard decision too. Yeah, it was, but you know, we, we moved up here and, um, when we got up here, we, we, they had the, uh, it was a relief center uh, that they had it uh, where yes. uh, it's right now, but they had the relief center there, um, with Red Cross and United Way was there and everything was every organization that you could possibly think of was set up in that, in that spot. You know, um, uh, first Christian church was there and first Christian church was, uh, they were actually taking furniture and things like that to the people that, that were there from Katrina that, that this place and stuff. So me and my son got into volunteering. We never did that before. So we got into volunteering with um, that area, and we helped uh, First Christian Church take furniture to people that were displaced and stuff like that. And then we started working with United Way and Red Cross and, and things of that nature. So we, got, we started to establish our lives here at that time, at that moment. Um, my son was... He was 14 years old or 13 years old by the time we got done with our volunteer time. And he had over 160 hours with uh, Red Cross and 45 hours with United Way. So, I mean, it's just we've established ourselves pretty good here now, which is kind of nice. 
and 15 years later, you know, you're both still here. Uh, now, before we before we end, I have one more question, and then I know you had one thing you wanted to add at the end. So, um, looking back 15 years later, when you think back, what's the one image that comes to your mind when you think of, when someone mentions Hurricane Katrina, what's the one image that comes to your mind? The telephone, the television screen with this big, massive cloud-looking thing. I'm going to give you three. That, that big tree with the 34 root, um, the size of the root system uh, that fell like it was nothing, and the picture of my son in the back of that car leaving. That's that. That's very, I've got goosebumps all, all over my arm. That's that is incredible. So, last thing I, that we have uh, this morning, you you said you you had something you wanted to share with us, something from your son fifteen years ago that that he had. Uh, so what what is that? Well, he wrote a poem um, in reference to that time, and it's a uh, it's a poem that's called "Never Forget," and it says, um, "I'll never forget the day it happened, the day death came so close to victory, the day so many died." The day that tore families apart. I'll never forget uh, the day I left uh, Louisiana and the day he didn't. I'll never forget what he said. The further, the better was what he said. I'll never forget the last goodbye. But then it's the goodbye that was almost permanent, the goodbye that almost came true, the goodbye I'll never forget. I'll never forget the phone call, the phone call that was sad, the phone call that will never happen again. I'll never forget the storm. I'll never forget the rain. I'll never forget the lightning. I'll never forget Katrina. My goodness, I've, yeah. I have goosebumps all all over my arm. I said that earlier, but I still do. It's 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 so moving, and it's such a it's such a a, a pivotal uh, moment in American history. Every, I think everybody of a certain generation can tell you, you know, what they think of their first images. Think think of when they hear about Hurricane Katrina. But you, sir, were there, and you know exactly how it was. Joined on the phone this morning by Doug, Doug Frederick, talking about Hurricane Katrina. 15 years later. Sir, thank you so much for your for your time this morning, and God bless you, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great day, good sir. Thank you so much. For a recap of today's forum or to listen to past forums, you can go to our website at wqxc.com and click on the Media tab. For Quixie 98.3, I'm Zach Epperson.